Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. And welcome back to part two. This is the treatment uh, you get as, uh, as my wife and I are moving. In fact, as you're listening to this, we're probably all like we're probably in the process of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, that being said, uh, I'm back with Blade in Panera, and we're continuing our conversation about what you know, like what is the quote-unquote new normal when uh, when you're diagnosed? Like, how does your life really change after you're diagnosed? Diagnosed as a spectrumite. Yes, 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 that's right. Di- <laughs> I have to specify, <laughs> diagnosed with what? Autism, yes. Um, that's right. <laughs> diagnosed with spectrumite. <laughs> it's just funny to say out loud now. Thank you. Uh, that's what this will be called. Diagnosed with spectrumite. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so uh, let's. We're kind of going to go a little bit deeper into the discussion this time around. First part was kind of a bit more bullet point ish. This time we can kind of go a little bit deeper into the topic. So, kind of one thing that I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on is how do you think being autistic, even high functioning, should affect how we view ourselves and other facets of our lives? Well, when you're asking that, do you mean. I actually just realized a a particular man that makes me sound like when I ask this kind of question. (laughs) But do you mean in the in terms of your maybe usefulness, like in society, more so just like how you think of yourself? For example, like uh, how some how like an electrician, someone who works as an electrician would think, I'm an electrician. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like part of their identity. Yeah. I guess a better way, a more narrow way to find this is how should being autistic and high functioning should be a part of your identity? Sure. Um, well, I've said this, I know I've said this in a previous episode before, where even if you're on the autism spectrum, it doesn't mean you have to be like an activist for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you don't even, you don't necessarily have to speak for it. I, I think... Um, there are a lot of spectrumites out there that we don't even know about because they kind of just a lot of spectrumites love to keep to them to themselves you know what i mean it's like when autism awareness month comes around for example um i always see examples of like parents with their autistic children i never see autistic adults come out and say hi i'm autistic i'm here to represent autism awareness month a lot of the time they kind of they really do keep to themselves not, you know, not obviously not all of them make a podcast, I should know, because I researched into that. I wanted to see how many other um, autism-related podcasts are out there, and I'll be honest, not very many, you know, not very many. They're not exactly exploding in the market right now, and they never really have. Um, not going to go out on a limb here and say, hey, that makes me special or something. It's it just, that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't mean that you had to be an activist for it. I think um, you can just really just continue to live your life normally um, as if as if you're not. I mean, obviously, you will know that you are. Um, but I think there are times where, like, for example, at work or at school, you'll have to... Um, there may be instances where you'll have to tell the people above you, whether it's the professors or um, your tutors or, um, you know, management, that 
you are on the autism spectrum and that's why you will struggle with this particular area and maybe even ask them, depending on where it is, what the accommodations uh, are. There might be times where you'll have to do that. I know that I had to do that when I was going to college for a while. Um, so, but those are kind of um, cases of needs, really, to kind of make your life a little bit easier in those areas. I'd argue that it's not really a, a need when... Uh, when you're at home, you know, it's like, uh, um, we autistic people can either be great organizers or we can be very, very, very disorganized. However, I, I still yet have to see, uh, you know, a Spectrumite's bedroom, for example, that's like really badly disorganized or, you know, something like that. You've got your books. <laughs> well, and, like, um, I yeah. legit organize them sometimes. Like, just the other day, I was like, hey, let's put the classics. So, like, The Hobbit, uh, All Quiet on the Western Fronts, you know, kind of old classic books like that in their own area. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so. I'm buying a couple more bookshelves uh, in our uh, moving process. So uh, I plan on, like, you know, organizing my books and movies and stuff like that better because I, I love doing that stuff. It's my favorite part of moving, actually. Mm. So, m most likely, my office will be the first room that will look like a room, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> once we move. Um, so, and, and if, it, if it wasn't for, honestly, my wife's extended family, it probably would be that way for a while because, you know, I can organize an office because I know that I'll be using it a lot. Or I can organize the bedroom because I know that, you know, that's pretty important to me. But, you know, other rooms, eh, you know, eh, yeah. I'll get there when I get there. Um, so kind of going back to a little bit, so you talked a little bit about how Spectrumites should view their needs, but how about their identity? How should it affect what they think of themselves, what they think they can do? I know I'm kind of using identity as a very nebulous thing, but you kind of talked on needs. It's definitely broad. Yeah, you know, it's definitely like, broad. Maybe. Are you having an, an identity crisis? Is no, no, <laughs> I'm just more so kind of... <laughs> Please give me answers. <laughs> Help, I don't know who I am. I lost my identity. Yeah, there are questions. Questions that need answering. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it yourself in part one of this that autism rarely even comes up really in the forefront of your mind most days, right? Mm -hmm. And are you comfortable with that generally? I'd say yes, because uh, I guess kind of going back a little bit to when you're talking about being like an activist, like for me, I never really felt like I needed to be one, or at least at the very least, I'm one of the last people that really needed the awareness mm -hmm. from that, just for the mere fact that I was a young kid who got help to at least to at least overcome the worst parts mm -hmm. of how autism affects somebody, so... I've never felt I've needed much of the extra help mm -hmm. from that, so that's why like it's never really in the forefront of my mind. I don't let it shape my identity much. So like as you just stated, I don't identify as an autistic writer. I don't identify yeah. as an autistic anything really. Like yeah. I have autism, but I don't let it really define much of who I am. And it's only been in the past like maybe year or so, kind mm -hmm. of as I've, you know, talked with you about this podcast, kind of thought about how. In retrospect, it might affect a few of the ways I am, but the, especially the times I've reflected, like, again, the sitting, for ex example, for example, uh, <laughs> like, there's many reasons I don't like sitting for long periods of time, mm -hmm. uh, and just that early childhood experience of kind of overcoming that with autism is only one of the many reasons because mm -hmm. there's many plenty of health reasons you don't want to sit for long periods of time your right. your leg like you if you sit for too long your blood can get literally clotted in your legs 
and cause heart attacks. Sounds terrible. Now, that is if you're sitting for, like, days on end. So mm -hmm. don't freak out about, about sitting down for five hours. But there's plenty of other, like, health reasons you don't want to be sitting for too long. I guess if I was to, uh, to best answer the question, the identity question, mm -hmm. I'll quote Bernie Sanders from a recent Real Time with Bill Maher show when he says, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> 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 At least he was honest. <laughs> you know, you know. I think that's fair to say. Like, so we don't always have the answer, and no. I think it's fair to say that like it, this is kind of something that varies person by person. For me, it's almost non-existence because mm -hmm. I got the help that I needed to at least not have it negatively affect my life much. Whereas for you you've at least had to grapple with it a lot more than I ever did. And maybe it hasn't an affected how you identify yourself, but it more affects your thinking on the topic more than it has mine. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you were how old when you got diagnosed again? Like four or five. I okay, don't remember yeah, exactly. It's like after, after you got diagnosed at four or five, what was your reaction? Just more or less like, Asperger's? What's that? You know, yeah. just, just like, yeah. Asperger's? That sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> oh, I got, I got to do an extra class at school? Okay. Right. Like, right. That's, oh, a, that's, yeah. that's a legit what most of it will evolve around is having a special class taken at school. Yeah, yeah. And that so, only occurred until, like, I want to say third grade at the latest, I think. Mm -hmm. Or no, no, no. There was one extra class that I'd taken until, like, fifth. Okay. And that was, yeah. like, an alternate class. Instead of, like, study hall, it was, like, something else. And after fifth grade, like, it was just some accommodations that I, for the most part, didn't need. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's fine. Yeah, I, I wouldn't exactly know how to answer the identity question, at least not in the way that you're looking for. Um, yeah. You know, other than I don't, I don't, I don't use it as an identity card. Let me just put it that way. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll put it that way. I love to talk about, you know, my story on the autism spectrum. I like, I love to kind of talk about different aspects of my life, how autism affects those aspects. But I, I don't really carry it around as an identity card that I kind of flash. You know mm. what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Despite having a, a podcast like this, uh, I, I like to keep to myself still, you know, outside of this podcast, outside of the substack and everything. Yeah. Um, I did kind of want to, like, bring up something a little more in depth, uh, the sort of the more, like, marriage aspect, you know, because okay. that's, I mean, this is called life and marriage on the spectrum. I know you can't relate yet. I was going to say, not much I can say on the marriage part, but okay, <laughs> right, go <right>. ahead. <laughs> your, your answer will be... I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull, I don't know, the I don't know card plenty. Right, right. But go ahead. Um, so there are no books, and I, I, when I say that, I mean it. There are no books out there about being married on the autism, autism spectrum. There isn't. And in all honesty, I'm surprised, that, I'm surprised that there isn't. And it's so rare to find examples. I mean, you can find examples, some examples of, you know, one autistic person and a neurotypical person married, and they make it work. Great. Fantastic. That, that's great. But, uh, you know, it, it is even rarer to find examples of, like, two autistic people who are married. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if my wife and I were, like, maybe the fifth or sixth couple in the world that are exactly like this. Really. Well, at know? least the fifth or sixth that were diagnosed. No, I, that, that's a good point. Because I, yeah. I think that's one thing we kind of need to keep in mind with how little there is out there is because this is something that broadly at least the western world has only really diagnosed within like maybe our the last generation our generation maybe mm -hmm. for the most part mm -hmm. so it's still a fairly new thing that we 
that's something we diagnose and try to at least accommodate and slash treat in some way. Yeah. So yeah. it being so new, that's pro that's probably some of the reasoning for that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so. Yeah, there there are no books like that. So I couldn't read books like that, like leading up to you know uh, Kay and I getting married. We kind of went over some of the books um, that we did end up reading and like how helpful were they and stuff like that. But um, I think you know autistic people have. I mean, even from my personal experience, we struggled to kind of figure out how we envisioned the marriage to go. And that's something that we have to kind of uh, deal with as people on the autism spectrum is what are our expectations, what are our responsibilities? You know, this is where kind of like a new, a new set of responsibilities come in, where it's like, you know, the, the consequences, if not, is, uh, well, you're either going to have to go to marriage counseling or something worse, you know. Um, so I, I think it can be a bit of a struggle because... Uh, us spectrumites are often so, like, I wouldn't say self-indulgent, but self-focused. Being, in my experience, getting married to my wife was like having to literally develop a new muscle. Where you had to develop a new muscle of, okay, up to this point, I mostly only really thought about myself and my own welfare and, you know, and all that type of stuff. It's a natural thing for spectrumites to do. But when I got married, I had to develop a new muscle, a new muscle where it's like, well, now I have to care about this other person and I have to keep her needs in mind every day. Like it is something that, it is a muscle that you literally have to practice working out every single day. I can't stress that enough, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of a new normal and that's a new normal for autistic people getting married is having to develop you know, that new muscle of caring about someone else. And sometimes, sometimes that muscle can get strained. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes that muscle can get strained, it can feel sore. Um, some days you don't feel like you have the motivation to, you know, to practice that, to work out that muscle at all. But I mean, it is like anything else, it, you know, like anything else involving marriage, it requires like commitment, it requires dedication. And you have to bring yourself to really care. So I think that's the best way I can describe it, uh, like kind of developing a new normal for you as an autistic person getting married, is developing that new muscle. Other people who are normal may have an easier time because they have been uh, like others-minded up to that point. You know, so it might be a little bit easier uh, to give that energy to the other person. And I think to be a little fair to Spectrumites, like, for anyone getting married, the new normal is, okay, we're married now, and I have to be at least a lot more accommodating of this other person, a lot more right. other-focused. Yeah. And for Spectrumites, they're, they're working, they're doing on a hard mode, but yeah. it's not impossible, and a lot, I think, at least in some ways, a lot of the same advice can apply to both normal people and Spectrumites. What's that mode that they, that they would have in those, like, Call of Duty games? Veteran? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, it's, like, veteran mode almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would say veteran mode. Yeah. You know, my, my first year was... Oh, it was extremely hard. I mean, I don't... I don't... I can't think of a single year in my life uh, in 2020 
where yes, I know a lot of other people have <laughs> I, I was going to laundry list of think, things to regret in 2020 itself for different reasons. I was but. just jokingly thinking, I was like, oh wait, your first year is 2022. Is like you're already on veteran mode, and then the, the then the world was like, let's put you on Dark Souls difficulty. Yes, uh huh, <laughs> uh huh, exactly. Yeah, actually, it is funny to say it's not for the it's probably not for the reasons that people would think, but. Um, I think 2020 was is the one year in my life where I have the most regrets, and there are you know there are things I wish I can go back and change. I would seriously give anything at this point to do that. I know I can't, but um, yeah, there's a lot I would change if I was uh, able to go back and do 2020 all over again. Well, I guess then, like, what are some lessons? You know, maybe it, as long as you're okay, comfortable sharing it, like, what are some lessons you took away from the regrets you have from 2020, at yeah. least related to marriage-wise? Yeah, I can, I can share some of those. Uh, you know, for one thing, it, it's really, like, I educated myself a lot on, like, the other person's needs, you know, before I got married. Like, I knew that was kind of a basic truth, is that you had to care about the other person's needs well all of that teaching yourself doesn't matter once you get like once you get married you know it's almost like the first couple months kind of felt almost like reluctant roommates we kind oh. of w w sometimes we would look at each other and go why are you here you know what i mean mm -hmm. and that of course wasn't you know anything personal against each other that was just the fact that we've never been in this kind of living situation before um you know like sometimes we would just be Sometimes we would just be frustrated and upset for reasons that we couldn't explain because it just felt so weird to us to do something like this. We, it, it took us a lot more time than it would probably take for a neurotypical couple to um, be willing to be more open with each other and, um, and more uh, honest with each other or to work things out. It was either my way or the highway, you know, sometimes. And... Um, there was a lot of, uh, we still get culture shock too. You know, we still get culture shock from, well, because this is how we were raised in our family backgrounds, you know, like this clashes with your family background and stuff like that. And that's all typical marriage stuff. But what I do wish I did differently was I wish I was more understanding about it instead of pouting about it. I did a lot of pouting in 2020. And I wish I had, uh, I wish I had acted differently. I wish I had behaved better. I wish I was, I wish I had more listening ears. I think that's a good way to sum it up is I wish I had more, better listening ears in 2020. I wish I had better patience too. Obviously I was patient enough that we've reached this point. Yeah. But I wish I could have been better about it. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's yeah, I definitely an important lesson. Cause yeah, I mean, Spectrumites have very, like, rigid mindsets on how things should be. Well, <laughs> you better be uh, willing to kind of, like, let go of some of that rigidity, or however you say it, um, when you get married, because you have to be a little more open-minded. You know, like, it doesn't matter what your autistic logic says. You know, it do that doesn't always mean it is real logic. It doesn't mean it's logical to the situation that you're in. You just, you see, well, it's logical because it affects me. So yeah, that, those are, I, th I think that's the best I can say in terms of like my regrets, at okay. least the ones I'm willing to share here. Yeah. Did I stun you? Do you have more? No, no, no. That, 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 that's, we've already touched on most of the other stuff. I was going to ask you about the driving, getting the driver's license since you got that so much later than I guess what is, oh, I yeah. guess what we in, think typical. Oh yeah. In the end, that took like two or three months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, 
Yeah, it took two or three months. Uh, my wife decided uh, that she was gonna take me um, and uh, let me practice in one of those like training areas, completely legal. Yeah. Um, and uh, by a high school, there was like a, there's kind of like a driver driving training sort of thing. Um, and so she took me to to do that and. Uh, and helped me practice and get to the point where I was able to get my driver's license. So honestly, if nothing else, uh, she's a huge reason why I was able to get my driver's license in the end, and I will always be grateful to her for that. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was able to get over my anxiety. I was able to get over my stress, which was which were huge factors when I was initially in driving school. Um, I also had to uh, spend my entire um, re- entire prize check after my writer's internship to pay for that school. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> maybe for another time, but... Uh, yeah, no, I, in all honesty, it really was just kind of, at that point, I was ready. I don't really know how else to explain it. I wasn't ready at the time, I was ready now. Maybe it's just because of the years and years of going through enough anxiety and stress that this felt like nothing compared to the previous stuff that I went through. Would it be fair to say it was nothing compared to the, to the anxiety you got from getting married and then having COVID hits? Uh, that is pretty much exactly what I mean by that. So, yeah, good job. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good way to specify it. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I, is that it? Is that yeah, that, that's the least all I had. You, you've touched on, we've already touched on between part one and two, everything else I had written down, all or right. at least as discussion points. All right. Well, uh, then I guess I'll go ahead and make this announcement. Um, next week, I'm taking a break uh, from a new podcast episode, um, given the fact that we've been kind of going through this moving process. We've never done a move like this before, so there's kind of, there's just been going a lot of stuff going on. I've fallen behind in producing new episodes, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this. I was like, let's have a conversation, split into two parts so that I got two separate episodes and, and throw them out there. But next week will be a break. Uh, the Substack articles will still come out um, as normal on Saturday mornings, and then uh, the podcast will resume the week after. So uh, thank you guys for listening. I'll see you in two weeks. Hey guys, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, write a review to help the show grow, and subscribe to my Substack at thepancakeking.substack.com to receive updates on new podcast episodes, a new blog post every Saturday, and other content I may put out. You can also check out the entertainment me, KG, and my friends make together on our YouTube channel, Vanzot Productions. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.